0: Hi, I'm Francis Katzen, and welcome to my podcast, The World of Real Estate. In this series, we will explore the world's largest asset class and how it plays out on a global scale. Joining me today is Yoel Shargian, the CEO of Elag. U.S. Holdings Incorporated. With billions in assets, Elard is one of the nation's leading real estate companies responsible for the acquisition, development, and conversion of architecturally significant residential and commercial properties in key markets throughout North America. Boy, what I had to do to get you on the show today. You're a very private gentleman. I had to barter and sell a lot of real estate, more than I anticipated to get you to agree to come on today. Thank you for coming on
1: thank you so much
0: (laughs) so we are now in an unprecedented time so i literally am not able to even sit across from you so you are in another room and i'm looking at a screen going hi (laughs) so which is why i'm waving through the screen i'm going to start with a very basic question where did you grow up
1: um interestingly enough um living here in new york city or building here in New York City, I grew up on a farm in Israel. Um, a kibbutz? Uh, it's a moshav. It's a, different, uh, it's a different way of living. It's private, unlike a kibbutz. So it's a privately owned uh, um, lots and farm and, and land. So I grew up over there. It's a complete different uh, <laughs> um, life that I'm experiencing now.
0: Did you ever think you'd be on the other side of this?
1: <laughs> not not in a million years. Got it. Um, yeah, not
0: in a million years. <laughs> what brought you to the United States?
1: Um, the story is really, um, for me, it's interesting because it's, um, it's sort of um, something that I left behind and I wanted to um, uh, pick it up again. I served in the army uh, four years. Um, it's a in Israel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a requirement. And um, I went to officer school. I did also um, uh, beyond the three mandatory years. And most of my army life I spent in uh, Lebanon, a famous Lebanon that everybody knows about. That was my um, so called uh, experience. And after four years in Israel, uh, every um, Everyone that finished the army is basically um, just um, dying to take off and just do um, um, something else other than um, what my son uh, did here: finish uh, high school and almost immediately went to um, college. Um, the um, The Israeli route is take your backpack, leave, and come back a few years later. It took me four years. To basically um, go around the world. I left east from Israel, and four years later, I arrived uh, from the west. So it was um, a long journey. And part of the journey was actually um, um, staying here in, uh, in um, California for uh, some time, and passing through New York, uh, which fascinated me at the time. Why? Um, it was in a way something different than everything i experienced um, in the far east even even though japan was alien nation in a sense mm-hmm. um, i couldn't figure out what really is the motivation and what's going on <laughs> here it felt uh, almost immediately like home it was something else um it welcomes you it um um and later, I found out it's not that uh, welcoming. But um, in uh, first glance, it's uh, fascinating and um, very inviting. Yeah, so well that put. was that was um, many many years ago. <laughs> and going back to Israel and studying, getting married, having kids. One uh, one day, my um, my boss in Israel told me, "If you're willing to leave." Within the next uh, 30 days, you have a job in New York. Um, I did the impossible. I packed my uh, my life in uh, 30 days. <laughs> and I landed in New York on, uh, brace yourself now, um, September 10,
0: 2001.
1: Wow. In the evening. That was my... Um, that was my, my welcome to New York. Oh my God! It was um, surreal. Yeah, that was quite surreal. But um, I think, in a sense, it uh, basically um, when when we woke up the next morning, I told my wife, "Welcome home," because it felt like Lebanon. Yeah, Lebanon and Israel. Uh, we left Israel Jeez. right uh, the day we left. There were three suicide bombers in Israel, one in Jerusalem, That's one in Tel Aviv, right. one in Haifa. That's right. And all my buddies were like, God. oh, my God, it's so good for you. You're living now to uh, New York, getting out, <laughs> and I'm landing here. And, Jesus. And it's um, hell broke loose. But I think it was a shock, that initial shock. Not from that. I think um emerge from that was something... Uh, that I saw the resilience of what what people here in New York uh, were uh, demonstrating. It it really reminded me um, home in a way, and that was part of what I said initially. It feels immediately um, something familiar. Um, So that was a journey that started, yeah, 20 years ago.
0: That's quite an arrival. Wow, I did not know that. How did you get into real
1: estate? (laughs) so it might be inappropriate, but um, it was also on the West Coast, I needed, I landed, I had $400 in my pocket and I asked one of my friends, um, I really really need to make some money he says, "Um, look, I know you guys, I said, what do you mean you guys? (laughs) I know um, you guys is like Israelis um, Aussies um, Irish. You come in, you fell, fall in love with what we do here, and you're not going to quit. I said, no, no, it's it's going to be fine. So um, he was a ranger. He told me, you're taking a month off with me. We're going up the Sierra Nevada, and we're hiking and biking for a month. You have to know this area before you start working. So long story short, Started working in construction just to make some um, money to continue the trip. Um, Love it. Fell in in love with it. It was quite an amazing uh, adventure. And went back to Israel, studied engineering, and started actually working in Israel as um, a... Not as an engineer. Uh, From day one, I started uh, working in project management. Um, I love the aspect of the... um, design and uh, overseeing uh, the project. I was never... I'm an ADD, as you can see, and um, I couldn't sit still on a, at the desk.
0: So hang on, you came to America, mm-hmm. then you went back. Mm-hmm. How long were you there for with your family?
1: Um, Ten years.
0: Wow. Was it hard to go back after being here?
1: Um, I went back knowing... Got it. That I'll be back. back. I I (laughs) didn't know that it would take 10 years.
0: (laughs) Every year you're like, we need to get there. We need to go back. (laughs) Right. Um, Where do you live now?
1: I live now in Tenefly, uh, suburbia. It's a um, complete opposite of where we are now. Uh, But I think that's the um, tranquility and uh, quiet that is needed. In order to survive here in the in the city and the um, rat race that we're in, yeah. So for me, it's um, a good transition every day from yeah the hustle and bustle and suddenly um, deer's roaming in the backyard. Yeah. yeah, it's different.
0: Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your journey um, in real estate to to today. Your current position as the CEO of a large group in New York City is not a small position, and it certainly isn't one for the meek. Can you give me a little bit of insight of how that came to be and your transition there?
1: Um, it's over a hell the, over, of a path yeah. from, from
0: you know, doing contracting and, and right. construction and management in Israel. Suddenly, boom,
1: you're on. Right. So I, I think um, starting even before the army, I was in the youth... Um, um, Movement and then in the army as an officer, you're leading people, and that's really what, um, really what aspired uh, um, me. And in I think in something in 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 our industry that is really um, not uh, much appreciated. We always uh, think about brick and mortar, uh, dollars and cents and schedule. But I think it's a, it's, it's a bigger, it's a much bigger and broader picture than that. And I think we'll touch on that uh, later of what really is real estate, because I think real estate is dreams. Hmm. And that's, um, that's, really what, that's really what attracted me all the time, because the brick and mortar is really um, um, something that we can all feel and touch, and we call it real estate but we are building and we are selling dreams all the time. Mm-hmm. So the transition was actually um relatively easy because from being a project management um job it's um it's harnessing uh, the people uh, around you to believe in what you're doing so it's whether it's a uh, one project, one small project, one small task um there is no real, uh, you can't punish people to move faster. Mm. You have to um, hm. get them to do it on, your, on their own. So if they manage to do it and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a journey that everybody enjoys, it's, it's much more lucrative to everyone.
0: How so. did you learn that? That's a very big shift because most people who run a project – don't, can't afford to have that luxury of thought.
1: Hmm. Um, cooperation is, um, I think, is, um, and it's in the army like that. So in right. the army, you can, um, you, can, you can never, ever force anyone to um, stand up in front of uh, bullets and tell him, uh, go to your uh, possible death. He needs to um, know that he wants it. He needs to know that he wants want to do it for you. So, and I think in the same uh, sense, it's in um, in this environment as well. They want to do it for me. They care about me. They care about my business, and that's what really drives everything. Because if it was only for purely for money, we see where it fails uh, and breaks down. How many times can we? Um, repeat the same thing without really, um, having, uh, fun.
0: Mm. Well said. Wow. <clears throat> the Allard Group is responsible for many, many successful condominium projects in New York City over the last decade or so, including One West End, 22 Central Park South, Five Franklin Place, 250 West, the Plaza Residences, which was a huge conversion among many others. And now 108 Leonard, my favorite, I'm going to ask questions you're not supposed to ask. Do you have a favorite?
1: <laughs> it's actually very interesting. I um preparing for that I was looking at it um from um to try to um answer it uh, really honestly. And I think it came down to to um lessons learned. <laughs> <laughs> lessons learned. Um I think at 108, which is something uh, that not a lot of people uh, know, the history of that building and really what what's the origin of the building, who built it. I mean, we know about McKim and White, and we know all that. But if you dig deep down, and you know how how history shaped downtown with uh, um, this uh, famous uh, team. It's really um something uh, very unique and initially when I came to the building, I wasn't aware of that, but um it's it's kind of grew up on me and and today, and after seeing a lot of um uh, history buff um uh, history buff i think um history buff yeah, looking at um other projects and how they evolved, how they really um when when they were tasked with a, a project how they approached it. Seeing the project uh, today and transformation that we we took it uh, through—that um, is an unbelievable and, and And seeing it and seeing it, something that that strikes me all the time. And I think uh, um, we see it, and and it, it's connected to the dream because initially we dream. We all see these walls, and we start dreaming and drawing and putting it all together. And when it comes together, and we see it, I'm some, sometimes I'm, I'm I'm shocked myself because in the heat of the moment we usually look at the details, detail and another detail and another detail. We see initially the big picture, but when we dive in and start working on the details, it's an enormous task. And and sometimes people ask me so, but it's it's just. You design it and that's it. And say, no, it's, it's really... <laughs> you live and breathe it's, it. It's something bigger than you ever imagine. So when, you, um, when a person goes and designs his own house, he spent enormous amount of time. So think about it that a collective of um, 167 apartments, we as a team had to sit down and really think in the, um, in the head of the buyer. What is going to really make it very unique for him? How is he going to use it? What happens in the morning? What happens in the evening? What happens when he wants to cook? How much uh, storage they want? How do they want it? Whereas, and it, when, when we look back, and you ask me this question, is how involved I am? Sometimes sure. I think it's 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 beyond it it's like you said it's um living and breathing it and and we see it all the time when we lose when I lose and I blame myself when I lose the attention um and I saw it in I'll confess now in few apartments when I I think I um I wasn't that involved it it's not it's not coming out the same uh, way and it's funny that we look at it but and, and I started with brick and mortar because it's, again, it's a kitchen, it's the same faucet, it's the same uh, doors, it's the same everything. But if the picture is not right when you come in and all the details fall in place, and I call it uh, sometimes the um, the harmony, when you come in and you you feel welcome in that place, that's really when it strikes you. And we see today um, I um, one of the satisfaction, I think, in this business is and it's um, something um, that I look at and my wife asked me what why are you so excited all the time?" I said, look I, I, I I'm in a business where I dream. My owner um, let me have a big checkbook and start having a dream. with that big checkbook I um, I start executing my dream and later on in life, people come in and with the most single biggest transaction in their life they're voting with their checkbook (laughs) for my dream (laughs) there is nothing like there is nothing that can surpass that because they actually um what I created Mm -hmm. yeah and it's funny but it's um looking at it is um you dream you um you build it, you sell it. And I think sometimes I'm passing by buildings that I've done. And I know actually people that most people don't really have an idea of how much sweat and, and um, brain damage went into, um, into it. But the satisfaction of uh, seeing a live building Alive I, uh, means that when I when I when I see it five ten years later and it didn't they didn't change, that's I think the uh, satisfaction they loved it and they voted for it and they uh, they're using it when uh, when you see that they're starting to change uh, everything you know that you missed it completely.
0: <laughs> well, they haven't changed it, I not mean, a bit. Not a bit. It's a classic. Yeah. I mean, you said to me once. I don't just do this for the money. I remember you said that to me once and I, and I watched you take on every detail to the, like painstakingly and I thought that's passion. That's someone who really loves what they do and that's the difference. Um, how, has, how has the dramatic increase in cost of land and build out over the last 15 years shifted a lot and your mindset on development in New York City, if at
1: all? I think over the past, it's it's actually twenty years. When I look back twenty years uh, ago, mm-hmm. um, and I think uh, back then it was, we called it, we still call it, the cookie cutters.
0: It was it really basic. It was oh.
1: basic, and it was formula And and, mm-hmm. and I think the approach was also, and and that's what I'm I'm, I'm going back to what I said when I saw the um, what we've done. Uh, back in the days when I was a little bit younger and not that experienced, um, I was shocked to see that people actually came in, took the apartment, yeah. broke it down, and redid it all together. And at that point, I realized that I have to do something else. It just doesn't make sense that after all the, um, the work and energy that we did, um, we have to do it uh, differently. And I think in, in, in the marketplace, and it's, I see it even today, um success is in the details. It's 100%. not so it's not how much money you spend, it's but the, the details mm-hmm. and the quality of the detail and quality of design. So yes, it's inherently um it it's true that in some cases um it's important to uh, spend the money, but in most cases the way we see it, the way I see it at least. Um when you see the end product, you don't really ask how much money was spent on it all, how much the stone cost. If it, if it all works and it all really um, reads, reads uh, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that's what makes it uh-huh. quality. If it's the most expensive stone and it's done not design-wise the right way, it doesn't matter at that point if it's expensive. It's, it just feels cheap, just yeah. looks bad.
0: I mean, they spend these expensive woods all the time, and they look dated, you know? I always feel like the less is more routine is so much better, you know? These tiger woods and zebra woods, and <laughs> and then you look at them, and God, they're so ugly
1: five years later, you know? Right, so classic and clean, mm. I think. And, and over the years, maybe it's me or um, the... Um, Open concept mm-hmm. of um, kitchen, living room. I love that. Um, it's something that um, that's how I like uh, my life to be. Um, a very interesting uh, story, and I'll. Um, so I'm. I I I bought a land in Tenafly and I uh, wanted to build uh, my house. I take the local architect, and I tell him what I want, and I say, so I want the kitchen the dining room and the living room to be just one giant hole. He looks at me and says, no, you can't do that. I said, what do you mean? He says, let me give you what I think. So he started designing it, show me the drawings. And I look at it and I said, but you made here a wall. I don't want that wall. Um, so I think for two months, we were like arguing and he was insisting that that's not the right way. I said, um, I think you're misreading me, and I think it's time that we um part, part ways. ways um i took um one of the um i mean he's also local for many years, but he's in an israel, and I told him this is my dream, and this is what I want. He says a hundred percent I got you, and he designed it and my my ground floor that is um um close to twenty five hundred uh, square wow. feet has one one side door, one front door, one door for my library, <laughs> That's it. and one door for the bathroom. That's it. Wow! Everything else is open, okay. but it's still it's. Um, and I hosted my house close to a hundred people uh, some time, and it's the greatest uh, feeling of uh, really having a. Uh, Life, not in um, in room, closed, uh, but everything is mm-hmm. Yeah. Collectively, it's li- living together. And even if my kids are sitting in the other side of the room and studying, you're still seeing each other. and um, I love that. So I think I… Um,
0: Where does that come from, that wish to keep it all connected? Is it just from… Growing up in Israel is it? Yeah, from, yeah. I grew up mm-hmm. uh, in
1: a farm. Everything is um, open. open. Yeah, um, we live in Israel when the doors to the outside are open. constantly open. So your backyard is part of your um, house. Yeah, um, you sit outside a lot. In Same I mean, as it's Australia. like like California yeah. and like uh, Florida in a sense. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, over the years it it grew up on people here, and we see it on. Um, on most of our projects, that's the way we designed it. And very few projects we did it, um, that the, the kitchen is really, um, closed. And usually it used, we used to do it on really big penthouses where formality is a little bit more, um, needed. Yeah. Um, but it still, it worked very, um, I think it with a clientele that we we're we're having today, um. They fall in love with it.
0: So with that in mind, I mean, <clears throat> we're also seeing a change in the buyers, right? In today's market, buyers don't begin following a project until there is a shovel in the ground or a tower rising out above the street. On average, how long does it take to get that po- to that point from your initial involvement, and what are some of the behind-the-curtain things that are going on between those two points in time?
1: Hmm. It's a long process. I know. Um, I think one, one of the key things that we usually uh, trying to uh, hit on uh, day one is not looking at the market uh, today but looking in the market um i mean yeah we don't have the crystal ball but trends and viability is something that uh, we're looking at um and analyzing it and as um as a ceo and as a and i was always driving um not being conservative but um looking at the market a little bit different than uh, everyone else. So when, when we're looking at the market, um, I called it affordable luxury. So creating something that is very unique and when I say affordable luxury is allowing you to really participate in uh, the high-stake uh, market of really um, luxur- luxury market but in a much affordable prices, And we managed to do it, I think, in uh, both the uh, um, design process, which is a um, very pa- fast uh, pace. So usually when you're asking me, it, it takes a long time. So I'll give you an example, One one End. We one West End um, was a million square feet, and to design a million square feet and to procure it and do everything takes uh, time. So mm-hmm. um I took the approach uh, there of uh, basically designing the basics uh, of the building Mm -hmm. and start foundation like within six months from the time that we bought it. So, um, otherwise, a project like this can take five, six years between um, initiation and completion. Mm -hmm. So, during that time that the process started in the field, we are sitting and basically designing the building and uh, starting to uh, really put uh, the project uh, together from initiation that was just um few, few um, scribbling on a board <laughs> and saying this is how it's going to look and what we're um, attempting to do There's to a final dream. product. Yeah, to a final product that is stunning. Um, stunning and it's painstaking to think about basically when you look at it we we as a team and i say we because it's not just me it's a lot of people that collaborate in this um the drawing is actually the um transformation of the um the um brainwave that we have we illustrate it on the drawing we hand this over to these guys in the field and everything we had a dream, we thought about, this is how we want it to look. They have to um, um, basically uh, put it together. And it's, um, it's a very, very complex, but still, if, it's, if it works right, collaboration is um, unique.
0: But it's so interesting because, you, you know, ground up new construction is the total antithesis of pre-war conversion. Pre-war conversion, I would say, is probably more tricky. Right, you have to work within the shell. You can't manipulate because you've got all of this built-in stuff.
1: Yeah, the straitjacket, I call it. <laughs> yeah, it's really like, but but then, I think in a straitjacket like this, um, usually, really, if you think, and if you allow yourself to um, to do it a little bit different, some magnificent. Um,
0: Oh, there's product. no question. There's no so, question
1: because it's it's really um, you really have to put your mind into it and really make it work. And in the process of uh, 108, it was painstaking, and we've done it again and again <clears throat> know, and I again know. and redo it until it uh, really works. And sometimes when I I looked at the team and I said they're out of their mind. They <laughs> are not satisfied with anything until it's perfect and it reminds me because uh, like a couple of days ago I was sitting in the um, sales office looking at the kitchen and I was stunned to see um, it it looks perfect <laughs> and to think about it because I know how long it took that specific unit how long it took to really put it together and how many changes the team demanded to do when at one point I said, enough, just let it go. No, we have to. Um, and it's um, it's uh, John, it's you, it's the whole team that looked at it again and again and um, they come back uh, after a week. We thought about this and this and this, and we th- really think we need to do it. Sometimes I, well, I was mad, but I um, i think I accepted the fact that if you care so much, it's going to um, show itself. And it showed itself now. It really has been one
0: of the most beautiful projects I've ever worked on. Um, if not the question, you still haven't answered the question. You dodged it. <laughs> yeah.
1: So... Um,
0: if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. Yeah, i I'm,
1: I, I I think I have. I have pain. It's mostly pain with every building that I do.
0: <laughs> really?
1: It, it's it's a lot. It it takes a lot out of me.
0: And you still go back for more? Yeah. you sick puppy! Yeah. <laughs> what drives you?
1: I think what I said initially: the fact that I can dream. Dream. And put it together and i have not just people say oh yeah it's nice i can dream execute it and people are coming in and getting their it. life totally and putting all their life all savings their money. Mm-hmm. all their money on it um, talk about
0: knowing how to enroll people
1: right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's um it's it's a creation of something that is um, is appreciated um again and again and again.
0: I've, I've worked with many developers and one of the things that I noticed with you which I thought was quite frankly rare and, and one of the reasons why it's been I think quite enjoyable for me as a broker is you are involved in the design process with the architect, the designer, the designer and the project from the exterior design to the floor plans to the finishes. Sometimes I notice that developers sort of look at it at the final stage and sign off on it, but not really dealing with the granular minutia around it. And that was one of the most cathartic things that I noticed in this outcome. And I think when you just said, I looked at the kitchen and it was perfect. I think that came from your wanting to achieve a level of perfection that maybe not everybody is driven by with the dream if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And I think that result is why Elad has sustained its curb appeal and global bid for people to come in and want to put their hard-earned cash down time and time and time again. I mean, 250 West blew me away. Uh, Five Franklin was the total antithesis of that. And then you went right back into a McKim, Mead and White, you know, 167 different floor plans, 16.9 foot ceilings. Oh, and by the way, we're going to restore the brass dental molding over (laughs) 20,000 square feet, you know. So there's more, it's the dream and it's the passion. And I haven't seen that to date in much. So. You know, as a developer, do you find it difficult when you enroll with people who are not of the same discipline, I guess? Is that tough to find?
1: I think we choose. I mean, as as a developer, I choose the people around me. Um, yeah, it that, makes a big that, difference. Right. Yeah. So between the design team, Jeffrey Beers. He's amazing. Um, and D-Box and Douglas yeah. Edelman. And John, yeah, John's and, amazing, and the whole team. That yep, we assembled. Um, it's it. It was sometime five six hours of really having fun. So the end result is really. Um, it was fun. It has been fun. Right. It it's really good, and it's not um, just. Um, yeah. Just cranking drawings, yeah.
0: yeah, Jeffrey Beers to me is such a perfect. Um, selection for such a big project in that he has a reverence in his design and you see it. It's like this, he's not trying to overstep his bounds, but rather bring it up into the modern part of the world. And yet it acknowledges, I mean, the fact that he, I remember him explaining to me that he matched the paint color of the facade with the cabinets. Everything was so intent, intentional. Can you explain how that collaboration came together?
1: My first interaction with uh, Jeffrey Beers was, oh, I would say, ten years ago. I think <laughs> ten years ago or more. Um, at the Plaza, we at one point we decided that we need to do something else with the um, underground commercial that we have, and um, that food um, court, right? Right, mm-hmm. and we we solicited, I think, three or four bids for design. And Jeffrey Beers was one of them. He was a hotel and restaurant designer. Mm -hmm. Jean George von Richten, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So Jeffrey comes in and he says, This is the dream that I have for this place. And he he had a hand sketch, colored hand sketch. I love it. For the space. And within minutes, I think we decided that this is it. And what was shocking to me, like, Six months later, the drawing that he did was one to one what we built. It was Stuff. It verbatim. Was, yes. Wow. Everything that he had on paper day one we delivered. Just, right. So that that caught my eye that someone that can actually um and this was a design that was so much different than anything that I knew before that. Because before that, it was really um, a bunch of lines and boxes and Mm -hmm. everything else that Mm -hmm. I see from designer. And Mm -hmm. suddenly, a designer that uh, comes in, and he needed to do every station. It was every station over there was different. Everything had a different look. You come into a space, and there there is some flow into it, but everywhere you look, is completely different, but somehow everything is weaved together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. So fast forward, um, I actually took him and I, 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 I started pushing him to help me with the design of my house, which he did. And going even further, when we started uh, working on One West End. I came with a crazy idea that I want to take Jeffrey Beers to um, design a building. Uh, And it was a million square feet of a designer that never did. Residential. Residential in his life. Wow,
0: that's ballsy.
1: I I knew from the get-go that there is something different and unique um, with the firm, and especially with Jeffrey, that he can executed better than anyone else. Hmm. And of course, it was really, really tough because they didn't know really, the team didn't really know all the um, the details of uh, construction uh, mm-hmm. in New York in terms of residential. Mm-hmm. But with a good um, architect and design team to back him, he executed. And and you, you said something very interesting because the way Jeffrey... Um, described it when we started working on the project was from curbside to pillow and i think that's really sums it up all from 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 the moment you you look at the building and you're at the curbside mm-hmm. all the way through to the last thing that you do at night put your head down on the pillow and that's really like a journey of of yourself through the building during the day and until you um close your eyes so when he said that he's matching
0: the paint color of the, the paint facade paint color mm-hmm. it's i
1: think it's a more of illustration of um he's how he yeah mm-hmm. how he thinks about design rather than as i said it it's boxes 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 he weaves it together and that's what i loved about him um the transition and one way that i think is um illustrates when you go in the illustration of that it's It's a 130-year-old building. Yeah. Um, Very unique ornament, a lot of stone, high ceilings, rounded windows. And we've seen enough of buildings that either didn't respect or went back 100 years um, and it didn't work. And Jeffrey did. And one of the things that Every time that I come to the building um, and looking at the um, front desk in the middle of this 130-year-old lobby, a rounded stainless steel egg, egg that sits there, it's, it's shocking fabulous. and it's amazing. It is.
0: It takes such a total paradigm of these two. I know. It's, he does it. It's, it's really beautiful to watch. Um, What do you personally find the most rewarding about the development process? I mean, I think you've touched upon it, but I'm going to ask it again.
1: I think um, I said it before, when we dream, when when the team is sitting and dreaming it, and when I stand in front of it after all the pain and everything (laughs) we went through… And thinking about what it took, what it took to um, the journey when it started, until we're standing in front of the um, end product, that's a satisfaction. Knowing how many people, um, when I did my engineering, we went through um, the process of uh, counting how many actions, just in the construction itself, of... A family home, actions that are needed in order to construct it. Um, It's 2,500 actions that are needed, different actions, not call it uh, putting a screw together. And that's, I think, uh, what um, is amazing putting it all together, having um, people that never sat with you when you dreamed, was dreaming the dream, and they're putting it together. It's amazing.
0: You really love what you do. What are one of the two biggest lessons you've learned about the business since you've been in real estate? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wow, we got more than two. Yeah, (laughs) Mm, that's a big one,
1: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a a, a big one. It's a big one, and um, I think it's an easy one Mm. in in two ways. Being honest to yourself with what you do is hmm. um, is a key and not falling for the um, for the trap of um, inflating uh, reality and second thing is what we we see time and time again, I think and Corona kind of uh, taught us a really good lesson is um, That quality, or I would call it um, authenticity, is the key to really success. When you're authentic and you manage to um, put it on the table for um, people to see, they buy it. They buy it. They know that it's true. It's not uh, um, a fluid uh, dream. It's reality for them, and it's something that has is grounded. And they'll vote for it, despite. I mean, and we saw it. Uh, you, you're part of it. The success of um, um, in the marketplace, despite um, what's happening with the corona. I think that's a key testament to um, how um, we overcome this. Um, Obstacles.
0: I mean, I think when COVID-19 went into effect and we were now on lockdown, I think we were one of only two trades that the Ocean Report wrote about that happened with a bidding war, remember, on mm-hmm. 15C? Mm-hmm. And nobody believed us. They thought, oh, bollocks. <laughs> You're just saying that. And of course, it's always a good time to buy, Fran. And it really was true. And I thought that was the moment where you sort of weed out the junk... From the trophy stuff, and nobody was getting inquiries. We were still getting people who were promising us the moon, sun, and stars if they could just get in. And I right. just thought that was so interesting. People were still willing to part with cash during a pandemic. It was fascinating. I was
1: shocked. I was <laughs> shocked <all> because <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it, and I'm and I'm talking to my boss, and I'm telling him. Um, You won't believe it. The city is shut down. There is no one in the street. And you're still generating deals.
0: (laughs) Now, talking about that boss, does he understand how much you've created and done on on the ground over here? Or is it still never good enough? I'm just saying, you know, the Israeli way is to just keep you hungry, (laughs) keep you running. Yeah,
1: right. never that's, give that's it to a them tricky, that's a tricky question he's but, like
0: let's not go there
1: right no but i think um um one of the testaments uh to um what we've done i mean it it's it's um when i finished one west end he actually uh, bought an apartment over there well there you go and he never <laughs> changed anything in that unit so wow. he loved it. and he came and said what a compliment right he said Ultimately. he was he was like there is actually nothing here, and and, and it wow. started it started actually differently. He walked into one unit. I want this one, and then he said, "What's over there?" <laughs> he looked at it. Ah, uh, you know what? I like this one better. <laughs> he was about to move to the unit, and the day that the movers were there, he said, "But wait a second! This unit is still uh, not there." Uh, so I said, "Yes, what?" <laughs> he says, "Let me have a look at it." Oh, this is much better now. <laughs> I had to actually stop the movers and move into to the um, third unit that he picked because all of them were, he fell in love with each and every one of them. And for me, it was, despite the fact that it was a pain, it was really a testament to um, um, even him that, like you said, he's never happy with uh,
0: But it's that, that keep them hungry kind of thing. But my, my question is, how did that relationship become so trusting? Because that's a lot of trust. To say here's my checkbook get it done keep it in line keep it on budget and keep it in time i mean that's i, I don't think that's an easy pillow rest at night right
1: i'm working uh, with uh, my boss for 22 years
0: oh wow so okay
1: that's um that's a long time that's a long time mm-hmm. where um he's actually um gave me a lot of um Leeway. freedom mm. you earned that i guess to um, to do it uh, to do it my way and delivery. I mean, the proof is actually in that we're actually delivering.
0: You have a start a studded team working on the project, inclusive of Jeffrey Beers, International Slice Architects, Douglas Elman, D Box, and more. Can you tell us a little bit about the culmination of this talented group and how did all the pieces strategically fall into place?
1: We you touched it yeah. on it. I think. Um, um, Collecting this, um, I think, people, and and over time, I won't mention names, but over time, some of the team members were weeded out, and the team that actually loves it really wants to do it and not just go through it stayed. And each and every one of them really contributed um, a lot. When I say a lot is sometimes i'm shocked to see and i'm looking it looking back at it every time and i'm shocked from the amount of time that the team sometimes spend on the marketing the renderings the design picking up um small details going through it and and that's i think uh, what the assemblage of uh, these uh, people between Jeffrey Slice Beers um Beers and Jeffrey and Dbox and Douglas Elliman which it's a collaboration of a lot of people from a different uh, point of view that created and, and, uh, and you remember we had our arguments um, over time but I think just a few yeah but I think it, it I learned my lesson um, over the years when a team um, that has um, experience and proved itself um, is giving me an advice, I usually need to take it. Because one thing I I, I always uh, say, I really, 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 I don't know that much. I rely mostly of people that I trust and they trust me to give me the best advice. And that's, that's my uh, motto. Um, I don't really know that much and I need all these people to do it. The work with me.
0: I think also just to extend on that point, I think really good um, CEOs or chairmen or leaders are people who can actually not get egoic when things are maybe out of their depth, in one or just not particularly versed, and can actually let go of control and allow those people to help guide it and i think i haven't seen a lot of that and you were one of the first developers that i noticed that at the top of their game was saying okay i'll adjust that most of the time i think it's about not looking weak or looking wrong which has cost them gravely <laughs> in the eventual trade of the project seriously yeah, you know i can see that they're younger they're hungrier developers they they've got it right and you're watching them blow themselves up and you're trying so hard to advocate for them, but it becomes a power struggle and then you just sort of say, Okay, let them blow themselves up, you know. It's hard to watch. <laughs> I was amazed by how humble you were about it. You'd say, you know what, okay, let's let's change it. I remember the floor plan on that penthouse. You're like, let's invert it, let's change it.
1: Right. I that was, like, was amazing. that was um, when you guys proved to me that our thought process initially was not really there. And looking at what you created again.
0: Well, it was a team, but it was definitely appreciative that you were open to it. Most developers probably wouldn't have. For those of you who are listening, when you are dealing with 20 million plus penthouses and you tell a developer, you know what, maybe we should put the bedrooms on the other level. Most would say, please go home. You're not welcome at the meeting anymore. But that was not the case. and in. And in this instance, it actually, I think we dodged a huge bullet. And I think it's proved to be much more advantageous for the sale. But there we go. Um, You know, I think that was very telling about you as a a, a leader, to be honest. I think that for me was mind-blowing. I was so impressed by that. Boy, it sounds really weird that I'm saying all of this, but it's really true for me. What were some of the biggest challenges when redeveloping 108 Leonard, and how did you overcome them? Because I know that we had a lot of legal issues around a, a, a live working monument in conjunction <laughs> with the first ever McKim Mead and White conversion to residential. I mean, there was a, i mean, this had a lot of hair on it. Right. That's a lot of love for a building to take that on seriously. Many had tried and had failed.
1: So one one of the um, and the owner asked me once. What are you going to do? Um, um, First thing that you're going to do, I said, I have to study this building and know what was in the builder's mind when he built it, how exactly he built it, what was going in his mind, because that's the only way for me to really reshape it in a way without uh, um, taking it down in a sense. (laughs) because it's a 130 years old building and and completely different technique of uh, building back then completely. completely i mean it's cost
0: prohibitive now to even try right. to build like that right this is a masonry masterpiece you walk into this building it's got these steps have been worn it's like walking through a roman palace you know you just like you walk through these steps and they're worn from 130 years ago it's crazy right. history i found an invoice for mutton you know, I, I put it on social media. I couldn't believe it. I found an invoice for mutton. Yeah, sorry.
1: So studying the building and knowing how exactly it was built was one of the key um, key elements for me to drive the team to actually, for instance, um, going through the facade and sounding the facade. What does that mean? Sounding the facade. So the facade is sitting there for the hundred Last 30 years, no one took care of it. And now I co- I come in and I have to figure out what's wrong with this building. So usually it's being done by just um, scoping it with the uh, binoculars. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, a scope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said, no, you guys are going to go and you're going to sound. And it's basically a small hammer that they tap on the stone to find out if it's hollow, if it's corroding Corroded, broken whatever mm-hmm. it is and, and I asked them to do it on every stone in the building they must have loved you yeah but it 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 allowed me actually to um go back and rebuild the facade and know um what we know today how to redo everything where we have to um really be careful and reconstruct really the facade and uh, and put it all together as not not as as brand new as it was uh, 130 years ago. Um, but putting it together, that uh, brings it um, really respect and glory um, that it used to have. I and mean, it shows now. So does.
0: Did you find a lot of the rock was was not healthy, just out um, of curiosity? Or was it just so beautifully retained because it was such a good caliber build-out? <laughs> <coughs> so...
1: Um, I think one, so in this, uh, um, um, I challenge my team all the time. So I I went to Italy, went to, um, I think it was the uh, Colosseum. And I'm looking at the Colosseum and I took a picture of one of the walls that is sitting outside for more than 2,000 years, right? (laughs) It's. It has this um, stucco, and it has. It's sitting there, and I'm sending it to my engineers, and I say, I really want to understand how, two thousand years ago, they managed to figure out how to build it. Leave Leave it to the elements, and two thousand years later, I come in, and it looks as brand new so it shows me on, uh, uh, only what we really don't know and that's i think one of we really don't know um as much as uh, we want to think about uh, that we we don't really know everything and working on uh, buildings um i think uh, people in the past understood that it's a breathing and living Um, element, Mm -hmm. and it's not just brick and mortar. No, it's not. So, allowing it to, and we know a little bit more today, allowing it to breathe, to uh, uh, have the moisture um, evaporate through um, the cracks, and let the building actually breathe through its life. uh,
0: I love that visual, by the way. That's quite a visual.
1: (laughs) So, that's, I think, uh, something that uh, took a lot uh, from the team, and um, I think uh, even your team your team went and basically took pictures of every single bay, every window. Yes, they did. Every… Ceiling height. Every ceiling mm-hmm. height. Every, it, it, the book it, took was lot, right? it was extensive. It was brilliant. It took a lot. It took a lot to put it together and… It's what helps sell us, right? I mean, we could
0: sit at a sales table and say, "Well, I don't know what it looks like," and I'm like, "Well, here is a man standing next to this window. You can see the ceiling height. Look at the contact." I mean, that's how we sold,
1: right? (laughs) That was for me um, amazing that the team um, did that on his own, went ahead and did that, and it's extensive. Um, And it shows also again when when I get people. To um do it on their own, I get ten times more than I usually get. But that's a gift.
0: I don't think most people realize that that punitive management skill ain't gonna happen, ain't gonna drive passion. A lot to think about on that one. Um one oh eight Leonard offers residents a private escape from its surroundings. It's you know, it's sort of its own type of environment with amenities such as rooftop gardens, cabana lounges, dining areas, a pergola, fireplace, 75-foot swimming pool, wine cellar, private dining gym, all of these amenities seem to have a wellness component to them, which is very relevant in today's society. What was your process behind cultivating the amenity package?
1: I think one of the key elements in uh, design, and I start uh, all the time, um, we're we're um, Creating a dream for 167 families. <laughs> so um I usually think about it as as, as a community rather than just a building. Mm-hmm. So in a in a community like that, it's um in today's COVID evi- environment, of course, it's a little bit um tricky. different and mm-hmm. tricky, but let's uh, go past the um this uh, year because we want to erase this year <laughs> anyway. Yes but please. I think creating this environment where people, so you have this building, uh, one-bedroom unit owners, two-bedroom, three-bedroom. And usually in life when living in, for me, living in this um, city, you want to have um, this escape from these four walls that are closing on you. Um, And that's my imagination. So how do you do that? So rather than um, spend time scouting the city to have your swimming pool lesson or having your uh, gym or having your park, we in, and I think this is the third building that I'm doing it this way, we're creating now the mm-hmm. full experience, mm-hmm. and the size of the buildings allows us to do it. Um, but I think over time, um, I evolved with it and I, I created much more than 20 years ago, right? We had the gym, kids' <laughs> room, ch- blah, blah, uh, rooftop, blah. and we're right, done. And we're done. <laughs> and I think that's the evolution of what we as developers and yeah. In the market, yeah, um, the
0: demand for right. destination living, all in one, yeah, you know, billiard room, cinema, private dining, larger
1: dining room. Mm-hmm. So amazing. you you bought it. You bought in a building that, and that's I think part of what we we think about it. It's um, we build it and we sell it 167 times. Yeah, that's really what we're doing we sell that uh, piece of Quite property right. 167 times <laughs> you own it and you own it and you and they do uh, they actually um that makes me very
0: um, tired hearing you say that
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh we, we 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 sold a lot so you, you have to be proud <laughs> of it um but that's uh, i think uh, the um the power in it it's um people share it um and one of the key elements that usually i I come in usually to the first board meeting of the um, residents and I tell them, you have to imagine now that I no longer exist and this is yours and you have to start to actually not look at the sponsor, but take you ownership. take mm-hmm. ownership. Mm-hmm. This is yours. We've done whatever we, we thought is right and you have to form your committees and in the few times that i did it people uh um came to me and said so wait a second this is ours i said yes oh, this sweet. is yours this is really yours i'm only yeah. the um the sponsor that uh put it together and you all bought it and it, it's it in, in, in met- metaphorically they they usually don't think this way but once they realize that it's theirs um they actually take ownership and start uh because usually they come to me. We want to do a program, this and this. I said,
0: "It's really simple. I'm off.
1: Right. I'm off duty. Off you go. This is yours. <laughs> Here are the keys. Right. You have to. <laughs> you have to decide now what's good for you and
0: um, make the rules. Yep. So um, <clears throat> the media is always sizing up trophy penthouses. In you know what is it that you think sets these crown jewels apart? I mean, if I may just chime in, I've. I've dealt with a lot of good, big, beautiful, amazing penthouses, and I would have to say that um, these penthouses are unbelievable. So, in your opinion, what do you think sets these crown jewels apart?
1: It's a tricky question. Because um, what I learned over time is And it goes again, it's, um, I call it the human scale. (laughs) I learned uh, that just making it giant is not going to make it uh, um, unique. The human scale, and people uh, usually um, look at it because in the end of the day, um, we occupy a very small uh, space. And when you put uh, people in a giant space, it's not really complimentary. So creating a, um, a trophy um, is the feature needs to be really unique. And so one, one, 108, for instance, it was really um, it's kind of easy in, um, in a sense. The copula that is a um, unique feature in this uh, building or the clock tower It allows us to uh, really harness the uh, history and unique uh, qualities of the building. And basically, each one of the penthouses, in a way, owns a piece of history. And that's really what set it apart from uh, anything else. Because to create just a giant um, um, penthouse is not anymore um, it. No. It needs to be that quality that Surpass everything else. And when it's a little bit uh, dramatic, <laughs> but um, you own a piece of history.
0: You do. You're buying a piece that'll never be made again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it, I think that's exactly what separates it now. Something that can never be replicated. Um, what other projects are you working on?
1: Um, we're now, and it ties to your New York uh, saga. We're now um actually um um in Florida in Boca Raton, um, completing um a project that we started um a year and a half ago. Wow. And
0: you must be doing well now because yep. Florida's booming. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: it's interesting, but um um I think my <coughs> My, and, and it goes back to um, um, design. So I go down and I sit with the design team and the marketing and we're designing the apartments and I look at the size of the apartment and I said, impossible. I said, <laughs> what? Do you mean impossible? I said, guys, it's it's 1,800 square foot, one bedroom. Are you out of your mind? And I start looking at it and I think it took took them a lot of convincing to, um, to show me that. And that, that ties back to what I said all the, uh, from uh, the get-go. I don't really know everything. I have to learn from my team and uh, trust them. And it proved itself, of course, um, that what I told you initially about the um, amenities, how we, um, we grow them on this project the amenity package that we created and it's it's surpassing everything and people are again people are mesmerized by it because it allows them to in florida to move to a condominium without losing the um private home experience and i'll they have few swimming pools that they can choose to go to. They have um a roof garden that is close to four acres. <laughs> <Seriously>? <laughs> it's really it's really something else. Wow. And I think that's what four allows acres. allows me to really um sell this dream so you don't have to do what you've done uh, until today. Uh, make sure that the gardener is in uh, doing his job, <laughs> and the plumber came. How to um, fix? You have everything taken care, take, taken care of, mm-hmm. and you can actually enjoy life. And that's what uh, these people um, actually uh, voting. It's it's um it's unique. It's unique, uh, and we like it.
0: Is there a specific neighborhood in New York City where you've always wanted to do a project? And if so, which one and why?
1: Uh-huh. So, I've done a few of them, and I think the neighborhood that attract me the most is Tribeca. Hmm. Um, especially because it's... I think you just answered the question, right, by the way. Yeah. yeah, It's either 250 West or 108. Yeah, yeah, They're all um, um, historic buildings yes. that I can transform. Yeah. Without changing them too much. Yeah.
0: I remember coming to the opening for the Plaza. I'll never forget that big, big event. It's incredible. Um, but um, so it is Tribeca. So you, you, you've accomplished it. Okay. Um, are you currently in acquisition mode in New York City?
1: We're starting again to look at uh, New York. New York is um, stressed now. Mm. But... Um
0: You're like, I'm going to be on a boat having a holiday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think in every, um, it, it lends itself to opportunities now. So we are looking at it. And again, it's... Um,
0: Will you really do it? Yeah. Well, cool. Um, how has COVID-19 altered your thinking about development? Has it created any opportunities for you? I mean, obviously that goes hand in hand with... The opportunity of land now in New York, but
1: so I think it's. Um, I, I think New York is um, stronger than anyone, stronger than me, stronger. Yeah, I agree. The political environment stronger, stronger than anything, and and New York um, survived these uh, cycles uh, over the years, and yep. I think it's. Uh, um, humans usually have the tendency to try to forget as soon as possible. Yeah. And I think that's what we're all going to do in um, the next uh, year or two. It's just uh time is going to um, um, make it uh, different. And I think it's just a great uh, time for uh, whoever thinks uh, long-term is going to… Um, Reap make- the
0: rewards. Yep. There's no question. People are definitely taking advantage. So what's your prediction for 2021 and 2020? While well, we're ending it now. Uh, what do you think New York will look like as an on a national scale now?
1: I think there is a lot of uh, rejuvenation that is going to happen here mm-hmm. on uh, um Covid just accelerated a lot of the um agreed. inevitable agreed. and it's it's going it, it was bound to happen mm-hmm. commercial and office and everything else that we're mm-hmm. experiencing now. it's going to change. How?
0: I think it accelerated it yeah. for no question. It's sort of every, the sellers are now having to capitulate and kind of get in line with this new norm.
1: Right. Agreed. So that, that's, a, that's my prediction. It just created a mindset for all of us. Something got to change. And it's happening whether we, we like it or not. 100%. It's, hap- it's happening.
0: I want to say a big thank you for finally coming on the show and doing this with me. You're one of the most private people I know. I couldn't find very much information other than my experience of us working together. So thank you for taking the time to do this. It's been great.